Hello, and welcome back to The Open Storybook. I'm your narrator, Glenn, and now it's story time. We're back earlier than originally planned in order to bring you a special St. Patrick's Day episode. Specifically, we'll be reading a couple of stories about those famed Irish fairies, the leprechauns. When I started doing my research for this episode, I was surprised to find that prior to the 20th century, there wasn't really a standard look for leprechauns, or a standard spelling for that matter. Uh, Nowadays, we're pretty accustomed to L-E-P-R-E-C-H-A-U-N. But I found L-E-P-R-A-C-A-U-N, L-E-P-R-E-C-H-A-W-N, and even L-E-P-E-R-H-A-U-N, which seems more like leprechaun to me. Of course, leprechaun is a modern anglicized word uh, derived from various different spellings in different areas of Ireland. These, in turn, were likely derived from the Middle Irish term Lurkopan, which means small body. The main standard for leprechauns back then was that they were traditionally dressed in red rather than the green we're more familiar with today. Other than that, their outfits and their look varied. Leprechaun lore began as an oral tradition, and the first written appearance was in Thomas Decker's play The Honest Whore. Clearly, based on the title alone, These were not the playful sprites we're familiar with today. Leprechauns were originally, at best, mischievous, enjoying playing tricks on hapless humans. They did often help people by mending shoes in the middle of the night. What is it with diminutive magical creatures and shoe repair? Anyway, as you'll hear in our second story, their assistance comes with a cost. At any rate, The Leprechaun Horror series, uh, starring Warwick Davis in the title role, seems a bit less far-fetched when you really delve into their history. Once we start approaching the 20th century, the Leprechaun begins to move further in appearance and action away from its cousin, the Cluricon. The Cluricon is similar to the Leprechaun, and they were often used interchangeably. As they begin to separate, the Cluricon becomes known as a heavy drinker, haunting liquor establishments. Both cluricons and leprechauns were known as cobblers, guardians of some sort of treasure, and for being encountered alone. In fact, it's sometimes suggested that a cluricon is just a leprechaun on a bender. Anyway, as we move forward, cluricons are generally forgotten, and leprechauns begin being associated with green attire, perhaps to soften their look and associate them better with their Irish origin. And of course, No discussion of leprechauns of modern times would be complete without discussing their connection to the proverbial pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Why proverbial? Well, whether that pot of gold exists or not is moot, but the end of the rainbow is pure leprechaun mischievousness. As anyone knows, rainbows stretch across the sky, but there is no end that touches the ground. The leprechauns have fooled us again, folks. Now, have no fear, I fully intend to continue the Disney connections this season. I believe a lot of our impressions of leprechauns are in fact due to an early Disney film, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, based on the Darby O'Gill tales 
written by Hermione Templeton in the early 1900s. Unfortunately, with Disney's stranglehold on copyright law, I'm unable to include those stories. Walt Disney conceived of the film over the course of two trips to Ireland in the 1940s and 50s, with the movie finally being released in 1959. And here is where I confess, I've never seen Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And while I've watched or rewatched films for this podcast in the past, I think I'll save this one to watch this year with my family. It was well-received upon release and remains popular and well-reviewed to this day. I am, however, more familiar with Disney's other leprechaun, Patrick Bagora, the little man of Disneyland. If you have no idea who I'm talking about, I'm sure you're not alone as this one's a bit more obscure. Published in 1955, the year of Disneyland's opening, the little golden book, Little Man of Disneyland, tells the tale of the leprechaun Patrick Bagora, who made his home in one of the orange trees in Anaheim. When Mickey, Pluto, Donald, and Goofy come to knock down the trees for the construction of Disneyland, Bagora eventually gives them his blessing and moves to a tree that he selects in Adventureland. You were able to see the door to Bagora's home in that tree for years, until further construction and renovations saw its end. But don't worry, this story has a happy ending. The book was republished for Disneyland's 60th anniversary in 2015, and Patrick Bagora's door reappeared in Adventureland, in a tree near the Indiana Jones Adventure queue. Regardless, it's a cute story, and you can find a reading of it on YouTube with an animatic created by a former Imagineer if you're interested. And yes, you can also find Patrick Bagora's home in Disneyland. Meantime, on with this month's St. Patrick's Day readings, a poem and a short story about leprechauns. Uh, before we begin some housekeeping, I do plan to follow last year's monthly release schedule, possibly with a month off mid-season or some tweaks here and there for holiday specials. You can still visit us online at storybook.backstage.link, and you can contact me with comments or story suggestions at storybook.backstage.link. Finally, before we get to this month's stories, I should mention that I do use an Irish accent at times. It might not be the best accent, but I assure you, it is not meant in a mocking manner. With that, I begin with The Leprechaun, or Fairy Shoemaker. The Leprechaun, or Fairy Shoemaker. 1. Little cowboy, what have you heard up on the lonely Rath's green mound? Only the plaintive yellow bird, sighing in sultry fields around. Chari, 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 chee, only the grasshopper and the bee. Tip tap, rip rap, tick attack too. Scarlet leather sewn together, this will make a shoe. Left, right, pull it tight, summer days are warm. Underground in winter, laughing at the storm. Lay your ear close to the hill. Do you not catch the tiny clamor, busy click of an elfin hammer? Voice of the leprechaun singing shrill as he merrily plies his trade. He's a span and a quarter in height. Get him in sight, hold him tight, and you're a made man. 2. You watch your cattle the summer day, sup on potatoes, sleep in the hay. How would you like to roll in your carriage, look for a duchess's daughter in marriage? Seize the shoemaker, then you may. Big boots are hunting. Sandals in the hall, white for a wedding feast, pink for a ball. This way, that way, so we make a shoe. 
getting rich, every stitch tick-tack too. Nine and ninety treasure crocs, this keen miser fairy hath, hid in mountains, woods and rocks, ruined and round tower, cave and wrath, and where the cormorants build, from times of old, guarded by him, each of them filled full to the brim with gold. Three. I caught him at work one day myself, in the castle ditch where foxglove grows, a wrinkled, wizened, and bearded elf, spectacles stuck on his pointed nose, silver buckles to his hose, leather apron, shoe in his lap, rip-rap, tip-tap, tick-tack too, a grasshopper on my cap, away the moth flew, buskins for a fairy prince, brogues for his son, pay me well, pay me well when the job is done. The rogue was mine, beyond a doubt. I stared at him. He stared at me. Servant, sir. Humph, says he, and pulled a snuff-box out. He took a long pinch, looked better pleased. The queer little leprechaun offered the box with a whimsical grace. Poof, he flung the dust in my face, and, while I sneezed, was gone. The Leprechaun, A Legend of the Emerald Isle Once upon a time, by the glimmer of the nursery fire, a little girl sat listening to the tales told by her buxom Irish nurse. The details of most of these, notably of one very thrilling legend of the Banshee, who has ever since seemed to float upon the wind that blows after nightfall, have passed from memory. But the good old story of Molly Jones and the Leprechaun remains, and... As best I can, I reproduce it here. In a comfortable farmhouse upon the outskirts of a small village in Ireland lived a farmer with his six sons. He was a prosperous man, and, besides having better cows, pigs, and potatoes than any other man in the county, was said to keep a tidy bit of money laid away in bank. Only one maidservant did the work of the house, and she had lived there for many a year. At last, she died and the farmer looked about him for a girl to take her place. The wages were high, and a strapping lass named Mary Jones made up her mind that she was the right person for the situation. The farmer liked her looks and engaged her on the spot. Now, Molly, lass, said the master, when he had finished taking her around the house and showing her how neat and convenient everything was, you see what you've got to do, and that's the end of it. Nobody in this house who works well has ever cause to want for encouragement, for there's hands to help them that aren't too curious. The main thing you'd better guard against is taking notes and asking questions. Molly protested that she was innocent of the inheritance of Mother Eve, and the farmer went on with his directions. On the first night of every month, the family goes early to bed, and it will be your business to see that the hearth is well swept and fresh turf laid upon the fire and to collect around it for all the worn or broken shoes about the house. The last thing before you leave the room, be sure to set before the fire a nice bowl of mealy potatoes bursting from their jackets, a couple of herrings broiled to a tarn, and a jug of sweet buttermilk. And whatever you do, never forget the salt. Molly, though burning with curiosity, curtsied and said nothing. All went well till the first night of the coming month. 
when the family was retiring, the farmer whispered, Remember, Molly, be abed and asleep before the clock strikes twelve, and don't forget the salt. Molly tidied her kitchen, swept the hearth, arranged around it all the worn and broken shoes in the house, her own Sunday pair included, and, after setting a nice little meal covered with a white cloth near the fire, wound up the clock and went to bed. Next morning, what was her surprise to find not only all the boots and shoes neatly mended, but the empty jug and platter washed and restored to their places, while a beautiful fire was blazing merrily. She dared not to ask any questions of the farmer or his sons, and no one appeared in the least surprised by what had occurred. That month, her work went so easily that Molly thought it child's play. Her bread was baked brown and light, her potatoes were a triumph, her churning was done sooner than anybody's in the place, and her linen was hung out to dry by sunrise on Monday mornings. For a month or two, Molly never failed to set her kitchen in order, as before, for the mysterious guest. But one night, she was in a hurry and forgot the salt. Next morning, the boots were mended, but the fire was scattered on the hearth, ashes lay all about her neat kitchen, and the dishes were left unwashed. This excited Molly's curiosity anew, and when the next time came, she did everything as usual, but instead of going to bed, hid behind the kitchen clock. Punctually as the clock struck twelve, out popped from behind a big stone in the chimney place a queer little dwarf dressed all in red. Apparently, he suspected something, for he sniffed and peered into the darkness of the kitchen. Molly held her breath through fear, and the dwarf proceeded to blow up the fire and warm himself before sitting down to supper. Then, uncovering his cup and platter, and finding that all was to his taste, he smacked his lips and made an excellent repast. When it was over, he whipped out of his bag some shoemaker's tools and went to work to patch and mend the shoes with twinkling fingers. In an hour's time, all was finished, and, after putting the room to rights, the dwarf took his leave. Molly told nobody that she had seen the veritable leprechaun, the famous shoemaking fairy. But the next month, she happened to be in an ill humor and hungry. So, without stopping to think of the consequences, she ate his supper herself, leaving upon the platter only a heap of potato skins and the bones of the well-picked herrings. That night, while all the world was asleep, in came the leprechaun and, finding the trick that had been played on him, flew into a terrible rage, scattered the boots and shoes all over the floor, broke the crockery, and, seizing a broom, swept all the ashes out upon the kitchen floor. Molly, who was watching, ran up to the garret and, jumping into bed, pulled the clothes over her head in a cold perspiration with terror. But hark! On the steps outside came the pit-pat of little feet. In rushed the offended house fairy. He seized Molly by the hair of her head and dragged her down the stairs and over the flags of the yard, saying, Molly Jones! Molly Jones! Potato skins and herring bones! I'll break your bones upon the stones, Molly Jones! Oh, Molly Jones! In vain, Molly cried for mercy. The farmer and his sons were fast asleep, and not a soul heard her. All night long, the leprechaun dragged her about. 
and when the cock crowed, he vanished, leaving her bruised and sore upon the threshold of the door. More dead than alive, Molly crawled up to her bed, where she lay black and blue for many a day. The farmer, suspecting what lesson had been taught her, said nothing, and we may be sure that when the next time came for the visit of the leprechaun, the little red dwarf had no fault to find with Molly. You've been listening to The Open Storybook. Narration, recording, and editing was by Glenn Reed. The Open Storybook theme was written and recorded by James P. Balsarek. The Open Storybook is a backstage group production. This month, we read The Leprechaun, or Fairy Shoemaker, from Rhymes for the Young Folk by William Allingham, and The Leprechaun, A Legend of the Emerald Isle, from The Old Fashioned Fairy Book by Mrs. Burton Harrison. You can visit us online at storybook.backstage.link or contact us via email at storybook.backstage.link. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and spread the word to friends who may be interested. Please join us next episode as we read further from The Open Storybook. Storybook.